You're listening to Test, Learn, Grow, where we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. This is the Level Agency way. Hey, Miles here from Level, and I am proud to be your podcast host. In every episode of Test, Learn, Grow, I'll be joined by agency team members and other members of the marketing community for radically candid conversations on all things marketing. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Test, Learn, Grow, joined today by a few of our e-commerce compatriots. We've got Tim Fitzgerald, who's recently been made famous by our media minutes here on the podcast. You might remember his voice. And Abby Young, who's media manager on the e-commerce team, who has joined us for several episodes as well. It's great to have you both back together for one action-packed conversation today. Well, I'm happy to be here. And I forget that the media minutes have taken an external path and an internal path, and they're two totally different things externally and internally. Yeah, so you're, you're famous and infamous at the same time, depending on which audience we're talking about, I think, Tim. We're going to have to figure out a way to like merge those two into one. To Anyways, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we are here to talk about one of our e-commerce clients, Christopher and Banks, and specifically some some tests that were engineered and the results of those tests and the impact this had on their business because it's been really great to see see happen for them and feel like probably has some bearing for other e-commerce clients as well. So to start, which one of you wants to give us the Christopher and Banks overview, just a general, who is Christopher and Banks? What do they do? What help get us started here? Yeah, I can take that. So Christopher and Banks is a women's fashion store that's been around for several decades. They've been kind of ahead of their time in terms of size inclusivity and historically were a completely brick and mortar environment. So they had hundreds of stores across the United States. You might have seen them in some outlet malls and some shopping malls. However, COVID really took a hit on them and their business model. So they did have to switch to just an online platform in 2021, which was definitely a challenge because their audience, while they were incredibly brand loyal, were not super keen on trying an online store. They liked to touch the clothes, feel the clothes, feel the fabric, the quality, see how it fits on them. That's a big thing for Christopher and Banks is making sure that that fit is just right and the cuts are made specifically for you and your body type, as well as the fabrics are both high quality, but also affordable. So there was definitely a big challenge in translating that very personal feel to a online platform. They also had a lot of store associates that would be very loyal with their customers. So it was very much not as a shopping experience, but more a social experience as well in their stores. So we also had to figure out a way to kind of replicate that in an online environment with their team. They, their team had a, had a, some great ideas on how to continue that very family-like feel in a different environment because they had to shift over. So that was the challenge ahead. It's been a really cool brand to work on. A lot of changes have happened, obviously, in the past couple of years, but there are still things for the brand that have stayed the same, such as their size inclusivity, their patterns that are only used by Christopher and Banks. So that's been always a really strong message that's resonated as well. A lot of 
as long as, or as I should say, as well as a lot of their core products. So they have some very particular styles that are well known across all of their customer base. So it sounds like it was a twofold opportunity. How do you keep the people that had the loyalty when they could go into the store when they can't, and it's just online? And then how do you differentiate Christopher and Banks online to new people when you can't give them that in-store experience, which is what which is a big part of what set them up uh, apart from competition historically. So be definitely a challenge and two different ones kind of rolled up into one in 10, right? So what did we do here? I don't know where the best place to start is, but how do we first start attacking either just one of those problems or both of them there? Yeah, absolutely. So starting off with making sure that we had the most loyal customers continue shopping online. The really great thing about Christopher and Banks was they had a plethora of audience data, which in the world of the post iOS update is extremely important. You cannot emphasize how important that is to have that kind of audience segmentation and audience data to work with. So we were very fortunate in the fact that we had a good place to jump off of just in terms of, you know, having a customer profile, having customers that we could specify messaging to, which is where we started. Just, you know, making sure that those customers were aware that, hey, Christopher and Banks is still here. It just looks a little bit different. It's It's on your phone instead of your mall, but we're still here. We're still creating a bunch of new outfit ideas and apparel for you to try. So that was step one, making sure that we've got, you know, kind of the more active shoppers, the brand loyal shoppers who will make that migration. Step two was using that same data to look for users who may not have had Christopher and Banks products who also might be a little bit more inclined to shop online. So we used basically a customer list of customers who were just online shoppers who just purchased after they shut down their brick and mortar stores. We targeted both those customers, but also we used some machine learning to generate lookalike audiences of users who behaved similar to them. So users who do shop online, but are also interested in the same product. So that proved to be very successful right off the bat and gave also gave us a pretty good starting place on, you know, new campaign ideas and moving forward. Cause it was basically, it was the same brand, but it was. It was a different, a completely different approach than what they had been doing in the past. And just to note for two of the things you mentioned about customer segmentation, and then I know the software they used, if you're listening to this for the first time, there's two other podcast episodes, one where we interview Christopher and Banks and talk about customer segmentation, and then another where we interview the folks at Clario, which is a tool that they leverage to get that customer segmentation. So if that topic piques your interest, you can go check those out and we'll link them up in the show notes. And in the blog for this one, but I just wanted to note that, Abby, because you're right. And we, we're kind of building this holistic story now, Christopher and Banks, as we add this piece in, which is fun. So yeah. knowing those steps we took, Tim, from the media side, what sort of tests did we start with to you know, get some stuff into the market to have the effect that the client wanted to have? So in order to try to drive towards the goals that clients had, we started in my favorite place, the super in the weeds technical part of the job, the kind of stuff that doesn't look, for lack of a better phrase, sexy on a PowerPoint slide uh, in terms of creative or anything that actually moves the dial towards efficiency. So what I mean is the first thing, and I think we talked about this more in depth 
in a case study for Christopher and Banks. This may actually be the page that you're on right now is about the case study. But what we did was we took a look at their dynamic product ad campaigns. Now, these campaigns were already doing pretty dang well in Facebook compared to the aggregate of other e-commerce clients we have. It was actually, it's one of the better performers and compared to sort of where the industry is now with Facebook meta performance, it's actually pretty impressive performance, but we don't just take, we don't just rest on our laurels and say, okay, we're good here. This is good. It's one of the better performing ones. We're good to go. So we started to figure out what we could change within the shopping feed, which is just changing SQL queries and different things within the feed management tool in order to better present the products and the dynamic product ads to the Christopher and Banks customer. Happy, do you want to talk a little bit about what the hypothesis was there, what we started with, what our hypothesis was, and what the results were? Yeah. So the hypothesis was that we weren't getting the exact product titles out on Facebook specifically that could have been the most optimal. So Christopher and Banks, while it's a very nice name and it's a nice legacy name, it's a very long name, which doesn't always work whenever you're searching on ads and seeing different product ads come up. So you might be seeing a picture of a sweater, but you're seeing a title of Christopher and Banks. And then maybe eventually the name of like the the cozy wool knit sweater, for example. We decided to change that up a bit, test it out, and only for Facebook because in Google, it's a little bit of a different story. Sometimes you want that brand name, especially if you have resellers that also sell your products. It's a very important to have you know your brand name there to show, hey, this is also where you can buy it directly. Facebook is essentially, you see that a certain page is advertising for a product. You can kind of make the assumption that they are selling the product that you're seeing. So by taking that name out and showcasing the product name first rather than the brand name was a really simple change, but it led to some really solid results that, Tim, as like Tim mentioned beforehand, we're already looking pretty good, especially for Facebook last click. I want to say we saw about a 62% increase in return on ad spend whenever we made this change, which was, was pretty significant, especially at the time. It was also kind of in a more down period. It was right after the holidays. So that gave us a little bit more time to, you know, focus on those tests and being really intentional with them. Yeah, it's a huge boost. And we talk about this all the time on the podcast. And, you know, if Alan were here, she would be saying her favorite word, empathy. But it's it's empathizing with what the customer wants to see on Facebook. Like you said, they don't necessarily want to see a brand name all the time, but they want to know what product they're actually looking at. And those product names often tug on those heartstrings or talk about coziness or something, right? They get you to stop more than just feeling like it's an ad experience. And then the results prove that, right? That more people are interacting and buying, which is great. So that was the initial test and results. Have y'all built on that since you uncovered this little nugget of gold with the tweak to the product feed? Yeah, I can start. So we basically have just continued to utilize, you know, the feed. We implemented it across all the products then after we realized very quickly that it was working out pretty well. So first step was making sure everything was utilizing it on the social side. The next step was continuing to focus on that audience testing like we talked about before and we've talked about before in previous podcasts. So testing different variations of machine learning with different slices and dices of the actual customer file, not just the product feed. So we've been testing, you know, 
bottom specific campaigns against bottom specific buyers and then buyers who look like those bottom specific buyers, which has worked out very well and is continuing to work out well. The current goals for Christopher and Banks right now is we're continuing to look at expansion opportunities. We just launched Pinterest, which was really exciting. And we started to get start a little bit more performance in it more recently after making you some tweaks and changes like you always have to make when you launch right. a new platform for the first time. So Pinterest is really exciting. We've got a good audience on there, very engaged demographic for Pinterest. And then we're continuing to look at different opportunities within Google and Google automation as well. Obviously, Performance Max has been a big change to the e-commerce atmosphere. So we're figuring out how that works with Christopher and Banks specifically and what, you know, assets are going to be the most important there. So I guess in short, it's been all about testing both in audiences and new platforms. Yeah, and on top of that, we're continuing to just do tweaks here and there within the shopping feed and the way the products are displayed. Where do we put the price? Do we put in a certain audience? Where do we put the promotional code if there is one? How do we best use the dynamic features within the product feed and weaponize those in ad text within those dynamic units? So folks are listening to this and thinking, oh, geez, I haven't really looked at my product feed in a while. And they want to try to replicate the success that we talked about with Christopher and Banks. Where do you start with a project like this, with, with making these tweaks and running these tests? Well, first things first, if you're not using a feed management platform, you should probably go out and try to find one. If you're a smaller business, I'd recommend something like a data feed watch. There's a number of different options out there. But if you're a larger, more enterprise company, we can't recommend enough feedonomics. It's our platform of choice and we've worked, we work with it on clients with like, I don't know, maybe 10,000 SKUs and clients with over hundreds of thousands of SKUs and it works just as good each time. From that, once you have a feed management tool, just start tweaking around with the way your products are labeled. Think about how people search for your sizes or how people search for different colors and stuff. Make tweaks, A-B split test it. All these platforms have the capability to do that and measure those results over time or just come to us and we'll set you up with a feed audit. We can do that too. Yeah, it's a great great point you bring up with the tool. And I know just to give one kind of silly example, but it's out there is... A lot of people label products based on their internal jargon or shorthand. So they'll put like S dash S because they know that means short sleeve. But when that's in the feed, Google doesn't know that that's short sleeve or Facebook doesn't know that short sleeve to show it to somebody who's searching for a short sleeve, short sleeve shirt. So instead of SS men's shirt, do short sleeved men's shirt. And then it's going to make it more easily found or included in those dynamic product ads like we we're talking about with Chris from Banks which leads to that return on on ad spend that we've mentioned. Yeah. And you mentioned just in general, like Google product feeds too. It's also important to segment between Google, Facebook, Pinterest too is another one and dynamic product ad display platforms such as Critio because they all reach people in different places. Number one and number two, the algorithms are very different. So obviously... Google is a search engine. So you want to kind of cater it more towards that kind of SEM approach. Make sure you're kind of thinking like the platform. Facebook, it's a little bit more user focused. So it focuses more on engagement. So if you can get the users to engage with your ad, you're going to be in a better spot. So a little less technical, a little bit more empathetic with Facebook. 
However, there are similarities between the both, but there are also some differences. So just make sure you're keeping that in mind as you're going through and auditing and making your little tweaks. Love it. Great examples. Well, thank you both for your, your time today. And just to restate what Tim was saying, if this piques anybody's interest, you're curious about feeds, you're looking for a feed audit, we'd love to talk to you. You can hit us up with the contact info in the show notes. We've got an email address and a phone number there that you can text. And we can look at an audit of your feed to see how we could find similar success for you, just like the example we gave with Christopher and Banks here today. So thank you both. And thanks for all your listening. We'll see you next time on Test, Learn, Grow. Thanks for listening to this episode of Test, Learn, Grow from your friends at Level Agency. For more information on what we do here at Level, be sure to visit us online at www.level.agency. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And until next time, remember that the best way to do any sort of marketing is to test, learn, and grow.